Right, we are recording. So, thanks for joining me um, at the um, Creating a Seamless Data Architecture Roundtable. Yeah, I'm the host today, uh, Chris Bennett, and what I do is provide uh, talented freelancers with pioneering tech companies across the Nordics. On, on the call, we've also got Sobi, uh, Badio Mazamani. Sobi, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm a data engineer a freelancer currently at Isetel. Oh, sorry, currently at Storytel. I was at Isetel until two months ago. And uh, yeah, before that, I was a PhD student slash researcher at Uppsala University. I'm uh, specialized in data engineering for a few years now. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Cheers for that. Uh, Marty, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, Marty from Barcelona, Spain. I'm uh, the head of data at Kahoot. I think it's one of the most exciting uh, tech companies out there, if not the most exciting one. Uh, formerly at Shipset, a uh, big Norwegian company, and for the last two years at Kahoot, heading up the data team uh, where we do analytics and, and some machine learning stuff to, to improve the user experience. Okay. And Rocky, could you introduce yourself, please? My name is Rocky Yang. I'm really focused on the data space for the last uh, five years or so. Had been working in different companies, set up their architecture, pipeline, and so on. I had started my own consulting firm this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm personally consulting at Tele2 at the moment. And on the background, I have a small team, so developing a solution. It has been like a year or two. We are start uh, talking to our prospect at the moment. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Um, so, as mentioned previously, uh, but for our listeners, um, each person has come with one question or a couple of questions, and we're going to go through those. Um, I'm going to say the question and then I'll ask um, the person who asked that question to give some context behind that. So, Sobi, yeah, it's the best question to start off this one. Um, your question was, what can you list as things you need to have to class your data architecture as seamless? So give us some context behind why you asked that question. I, I really, when I was asked to join this, I really liked the topic first of all, uh, because you go and work for different companies, see them big and small, and then you see different kinds of problems. And then you start thinking, is there a magic, <coughs> sorry, is there a magic or one way to fix it all uh, solution for all of this? And then uh, to be able to start that kind of discussion, you need to first start thinking, you know, what are the properties of such a such an architecture so maybe that helps in trying to figure out where companies are with the data architecture and where they should be aiming to get and mm -hmm. is it like a single solution for everyone i don't know so i think it's a good opening yeah. question to try to list a few things that you want to have in your data architecture rocky I know you're passionate about this subject. Um, what's your Certainly. thoughts? 
So to me, like uh, a seamless uh, architecture, the definition should be it. It's a self coherence. So it's not like uh, a patch on top of a patch. And the solution is able to continuously deliver business value. The value delivered on business side should be much more compared to the cost level. And also, if there are new business requirement comes and it can be evolved to seamlessly does not need to do patch instead of can grow organically. So do you think there's, they're technically seamless and seamless towards the business requirements too? I think that's both, not only technically. Mm. This uh, organization also need to be working properly. Otherwise the information will be lost in the middle. And also that uh, people have to work in together to deliver this. Mm. What's your thoughts, Martin? Uh, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I don't think there's a magic bill for that where you put one solution that's going to fit all sizes and it's going to be super dependent on the like, size of the company and how mature is that. And uh, as well, I, I completely agree with Rocky. First thing, business value. That's the most important thing. If you do things to have a very fancy architecture, just like to use a cutting, uh, cutting the edge technologies, that's that's not going to work. You might be using the most fancy stack out there, but maybe if it doesn't work, it's it's completely pointless, right? I've I've seen that in the past. Sometimes using super uh, state of the art things to do things that maybe could have been done with a PostgreSQL, just like something something much much easier, right? So I think. Uh, to his point as well, it's going to depend a lot, not on, only on the size of the company and, and the matureness, but as well on what's your focus, right? Are you, for instance, my data team heavy focus on analytics and BI? That's like maybe 80% of what we do, right? And that entails a lot of ETLing work and data architecture and whatnot. But we don't have that many things running in production for ML, right? So then the type of architecture is going to be very dependent on the actual business needs. Uh, we could pick something like super fancy because everybody's doing ML out there and they, they, they use the most fancy, fancy things, but maybe not what we need right now, right? So I think, yeah, uh, along those lines, uh, you mentioned something interesting as well about ROI. Uh, that's that's a tricky one to, to prove, right? Because it's, it's oftentimes it's very intangible what we do. Like, yeah, you provide better insights, you give a strategic analysis, you might deliver some solutions in production that improve CTR, but like might be super hard to quantify. So that's that's another interesting topic that maybe we can discuss, but. Well, uh, can oh, I jump in and, yeah, and yeah. add a comment? I see a little bit of a balance going on here. On one, one end, Rocky said, you want to be able to add things and expand your architecture to support new requirements. And to in order to do that, you probably need to have proper tools and proper setup and sometimes bordering fancy stuff, what could be described as fancy stuff. On the other hand, I see Marty 
pointing out that you don't want to, you know, create fancy stuff because it might not deliver the value because it, these things are expensive, you know, to set up. They take a lot of effort and, you know, not, you know, it's not cheap. So it seems to be like a balance. You want to strike a balance between the two. What do you guys think about this? I love this word of balance. This space is rather complex and different people have different preferences. And how to balance each one's preference and the cost, deliver time, throughput, everything is difficult. Yeah, I, I agree. I think balance is the key. Uh, I, I didn't mean to say that like we might be using fancy stuff as well if it's useful, right? It's not that, oh, if it's fancy, if it's new, what we don't want to use it. Absolutely not. If it's useful, if it's going to bring a value, shorten the time to insight, improve our processes, super welcome. I love it. Very big fan of doing that, but not just for the sake of using the latest thing in the market, right? Uh, another thing I think it's very interesting, and and uh, Rocky mentioned like to to have an architecture that lets you evolve, and that's very critical. Uh, the other thing I think it's important is to sync with the other teams. It's going to be almost almost never that you're going to run a data team where they don't connect with backend teams and frontend teams, and you're going to have interaction with other data producers all the time. So choosing choosing the architecture with them uh, and having them being part of, of all the decisions when it comes to like technologies and how we store the data and whatnot, that that's super critical because they're gonna at the same time if they produce data for you, they're gonna feel more engaged. They they you might be clicking on on the right keys there, right? Uh, so I think that's another very important thing: collaboration with other engineering teams that might be uh, doing stuff related to data. It is. When, when aiming to create um, your data architecture and classifying it as seamless, is it, and there's Rocky and Sobby, uh, you move around because you're freelancers, and Marty, you've had experience in a few companies in data. Um, is it always attainable? In every company, does it always happen? Or is this something that is quite rare? To me, is I always want something better. If it goes to a company, then I see the situation. I can think of uh, improvement. So seamless, uh, I would say, is an extreme goal. Mm. Always try to drive toward. But is it attainable? Harder to define this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it gets back to the first question. How do you define this? Are there like at least maybe from the technical perspective, you can list a bunch of attributes your data pipelines should have to call it seamless. So are they easily extendable? Can you schedule things properly? Are you using the best tools for the job? Or, you know, maybe you can start listing a bunch of at least technical requirements for this. I know it's not just technical, but I think a great deal of it is about that. I can and think also... of a few other things. For example, that when a new person join the team, how long will that uh, team member get into and to be productive? So like uh, one, two weeks, I think it's good enough to be uh, defined as seamless. If people that are two months has not been productive yet, 
then I would say it's not seamless. And when come to business feature, if go there and say that I can provide the feasibility in a week, that should be good enough. Of course, implementing it will take more time. One more thing I, I could add here is that like these data architecture, you know, artifacts are very time consuming to implement if you look at the end result. But the key here is to be able to break it into smaller deliverables and iteratively improve on them. So then maybe like having short cycles, like gets back to the agile methodology in general. So you need to always have that in mind to be able to generate some, you know, quick return, have something that works first, but then try to improve on it, adding to what Rocky said, like you can always improve things. So maybe that's another dimension you can, you know, discuss here. Are you agile enough? Do you have iterative processes where you develop something that's that just works? That's the first version, and then you can improve on it continuously, and then both deliver value and also move towards like a better architecture. Yeah, I I completely agree with the the thing that you mentioned, Rocky, about the time, like having people join the company and measure how long it takes for them to be productive that's kind of a very good indicator i always keep thinking i'm very obsessed about the time to insight right whenever we have people using our data sets i want them to be able to answer business questions really fast and don't say no just like wait and we need to do all these things and that's going to take two weeks now i would love them to have the chart right away or have the data set that they need right away and i think seamless architecture should be able to provide something like that. It's not just about the instrumentation of uh, tasks in Airflow or like Composer or stuff like that that we could use, right? That's very important. That's one piece, critical, because that's going to enable the rest of things. But then as well, the accessibility is very critical. Going to my previous experience, I've seen at some point like companies uh, doing things that were very complicated to just access the data, uh, even for analysts, people that could write SQLs, but maybe couldn't write PySpark and stuff like that. Uh, and, and that was that was critical. Uh, re required a lot of engineering work, complex notebooks, and a lot of boilerplate code. So I, I think that's another critical part. Like just make sure that the data sets are ready, cleaned up, and in, in a very accessible uh, platform. You muted, Chris. Sorry about that. Um, webcam problems, isn't it? Um, Sobby, do you think that answers your question? Or have you got any follow-up questions? I think it was a, a good discussion here. Uh, maybe one could also start like listing a bunch of attributes again. Like, do you have proper testing? Because if you if you have testing in your platform, it allows you to extend your platform without always fearing that you would break something do you have a proper you know ci cd do you have automated things so that adding new features is easy doesn't take you a lot of manual work to deploy things for example 
So to me, it's like, okay, you can list a lot of this, but you should always try to start small and continuously add to it and try to improve the platform. So yeah, I, I think I think this was a good discussion. So maybe time to move to the next. I don't know. You're the moderator. Back I am. You. I am. Okay. Um, well, thank you for that. Very insightful, that, actually. It sounds like there's a lot of things to consider. <laughs> um, okay, so Martin, your first question was, how do you keep your data architecture flexible enough to cater the changing business needs and requirements? So, Martin, give us some context behind why you asked that question, please. Yeah, uh, so let's say that you have a current stack that allows you to do for certain things, but then some business people come and say, hey, uh, we want to do all that different stuff. It's just like you have a data warehouse for analytics, but now we need to have production-ready systems, but we want to have the same data source. We don't want to have like a full new implementation of like event collection and whatnot, right? So how, how do you manage to to yeah transition or like have both things at the same time uh well yeah how, how do you think that that process looks like go on rocky i'll leave this with you first so i think the data architecture to be flexible enough then it should have a certain point which can be extended and extended is not necessarily it's already provided this extension point and it's rather that uh, the architect can think of okay the our solution that uh, those places could be potentially extended but uh, the extension point has not been added yet otherwise that uh, the solution might go to another direction that they are extension point everywhere. And that's like uh, one of the joke repo called the FizzFast provide the three, print the three and the five days uh, things. Just the very simple requirement can write in more than 100 classes in order to provide the extreme flexibility. I would prefer that the, the solution should be simple and it's extendable. Take the phrase as a simple thing should be simple and the complex thing should be possible. Sobi? Yeah, I'm gonna be practical. Maybe I'm jumping to like a solution right away. It might sound like that, mm. but then one of the things I have seen working pretty well is like, let's say you have a system that works, you have a data set, a bunch of data sets, a full, a full architecture set up somewhere. And somebody comes and says, okay, we want to do something different with it. Would it be okay or feasible to make a copy of the, the whole thing into another place and then experiment, build it here without really affecting your production environment? and then experiment with it a bit and then come back after a week always short cycles come back after a week and say you know this worked we need to make these changes in the production for it to work together with the rest of the system is the architecture supporting that is it easy to you know replicate your whole environment quickly for experimentation is it you know 
cheap? Is it costing too much in terms of manpower and you know the platform costs? To me, that's uh, that's probably one way to look at it. You touch this uh, copied solution to another place. When goes to the data space, copying is not that easy. So if you weren't able to copy the solution to another place, then you likely need a full automation. And I think this is a very good point that we can uh, dimension this as one of the points. Basically, you mean having proper automation to set up infrastructure would be a key to this. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Marcy? Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting points. I think, uh, yeah, it might be a bit related to what you were saying so in the beginning to work as well, to be agile and try to start small, test out something, see how it works, uh, try to play maybe some with some third-party solutions, uh, maybe trying, maybe not copying the whole data set, but trying to copy one part, see how it looks like. Of course, like as uh, Rocky was was pointing, sometimes it's not as easy. It's not just like yeah, you take a copy and you start right away. We wish it, it was like that, right? But yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's the interesting points of them. Um, yeah. Over at Kahoot, um, how are you getting on with this type of thing? We we're using different uh, tools. Like we run the whole data warehouse in Google Cloud uh, platform, so we're very happy with like BigQuery and and Google Cloud Storage and and Composer and these tools. So I think that's extremely flexible, very very easy to use. Very happy about that. So I would classify that as a pretty seamless data architecture uh, because I'm I'm I, I tried AWS before, some things that with Azure, and I think it's it's uh, comparable to, under my opinion. Uh, but then when, when you have, uh, yeah, maybe some other solutions like Google AI Engine, you would have the option of using that deploy TensorFlow there, or maybe have your own API and like build it on, on your, on your side. I think it goes related to my next question probably, but like, why, what do you build? What do you buy in third parties and all that stuff? Oh, Marty, you've just got my segue and just like taking it upon yourself do i need to be here no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what marty yeah perfect segue uh, yeah. marty's next question is build or buy yeah what parts of your stack should be always developed in-house versus what other parts could be third-party services yeah um give us some context behind that question marty yeah uh as well, that comes from my previous experiences where I've seen like uh, people trying to over-engineer and reinvent the wheel with certain stuff, which for for some things might might be super reasonable, might be better, might be even more cost efficient. For some others, it might be just like useless way too much, right? Uh, so I, I'm very interested in understanding what what's what's kind of the trade-off tipping point where you say, okay, now now it's better to buy something or or maybe I'd rather build it. Uh, what do you guys think? To me, I think it depends. So for me, if uh, the key perspective will be that if this part is the core of the business, then I will for sure to develop the in-house or based on some um, 
solution to develop it instead of rely on others. If this part is not the core business, then we can balance what make more sense. And just uh, case by case, I would say. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, yeah. Sobe? Uh, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Just adding some examples to elaborate a bit. For example, let's say a company is into giving loans to customers. You, you probably want to have like a pipeline or, or the system to credit check people, to assign credit rating to your customers, to your users. You don't want to outsource that. So you would hire data scientists, data engineers, build all these pipelines to have your perfect model for that. But you probably outsource your customer relations software, right? So it depends on that, I would say that. But then it's also very important to not go around and reinvent wheels. Like nowadays, there's a lot of, you know, tools out there fixing and increasing productivity. So for example, if you want to read data from Facebook, Google Analytics, you know, import data, export data. There's a lot of uh, tools and companies out there, both uh, open source and, you know, stuff you need to pay for. That would make sense to do instead of trying to write all those, you know, pipelines to import data from this source, that source. They, they would take a lot of time to do. So it depends. Also, some some of the problems are so generic that you don't want to do it again. Like it's the same in any company if you want to read data from Facebook. Why would you go write that code again? You should be able to find it from some, somewhere and pick it off the shelf. Or if you want to uh, in, like encrypt data, wouldn't it be nice to have some you know, encryption library you could go and pick it up and use or better yet, a solution that encrypts your data properly on a higher level. So I'm not sure if all of these things are available yet, but I'm seeing a lot of these use cases being, you know, taken care of by new software that's generally available or, or available by a fair cost. Does it depend on the size of the company and where it is in its um, kind of history? Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah, I will say also depends on the team competence as well. And it depends on the business strategy. Perhaps at one point we were using buy one service, but over time the business might pivoted to another direction. And at that point, we might change it from buy to in-house. And also sometimes when you evaluate a solution, you think that that's good enough but over time, and that might appear the limitations. I would then that time can evaluate again. Might make sense to from the buying towards the in-house development. Who should even be making these decisions? Um, because obviously, if you're involved in the process, you might be biased. It, who generally makes these decisions on build or buy, Marty? I think uh, it goes back again to to the business needs, right? It's a it's a mix of like maybe engineering teams that collaborate with data, the actual decision makers on, on the top uh, that 
will have this very specific demand. We want this thing to happen right uh, at the end product. So it, it needs to be a consensus uh, of what's what's the yeah, most cost efficient, what's feasible, team expertise as well, uh, what's, what's the actual cost of the integration if it's a third party versus building it from scratch. And then the advantages, as uh, Sobi was mentioning, I think it was a great point. Like if it's something very specific to the business, uh, then it makes more sense to probably build it in-house, maybe some support from a third party to ease up the tasks, uh, but but the core of the thing remaining built in-house. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a mixed decision again between engineers, data and, and, and business uh, as, yeah, probably that. Oh, you're on mute again. Has anyone got anything to add on that? Okay, no. we will take that answer um, and that conversation is done. So the final question um, is by Rocky. And his question is, what do you think the best way to drive the team towards the same goal to use a seamless data architecture instead of many directions. So, Rocky, give some um, give some context behind why you asked that question, and maybe some of the experiences you've gone through in the past. Yeah, sure. So, the data space there are lots of people involved, and many people with different background and different philosophy and different believing and so on. So some people are more business and they don't really care about technology at all. They just want to have something as fast as possible. And some people are really care about technology that they want the test coverage as 100% as possible. And some people are just care about the process. So everything should follow the process one, two, three, four, five, should not skip any step. And even within the same space that the people have different preference, these people like this technology, that people like that technology. So the question is in this all complex situation, how can drive towards the same directions? Otherwise, the process will be very slow and the final solution might be pretty messy. Okay, um, Marty, as head of data, <laughs> give me, um, <laughs> how do you do it? Yeah, I, I think you're right, like data space, it's so broad in terms of like, and it's something fairly new, like last maybe 10, 15 years. And you get this nice blend of like business people that turn into tech and engineers that turn into the most more businessy or like data-ish part. And it's, I think it's great. And that makes it super exciting, first of all. Uh, and then I think that stresses out that you need to be even more flexible when taking decisions, more flexible with like understanding the engineers, flexible understanding the business needs as well. And, 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 at, to some extent, <laughs> sticking to a process, right? But uh, once again, we're here for the business and, and that's what kind of matters the most. And then it's about like how you make the business happy to bring business value, not just like the people, but like the business as a concept, happy. Uh, and at the same time, you you 
kind of build something sustainable uh, that it's not just like yeah we do it we fix it and, and if it breaks in three months well whatever uh, so if if you put the effort to join these people in a room to coordinate it enough things play it well uh, it's just that you need to be patient and listen to all the different opinions right uh, but uh, I think that's kind of it's more like a project management pretty much or like <laughs> a stakeholder management thing aside of all the rest of the things that we could discuss but, yeah it's a challenging one challenging one isn't it yeah getting everyone within any team to go in the same direction because once you master that it is easier to get things done Sobby how have you um, experienced that or dealt with that challenge before very interesting question Rocky thanks um, I think a lot of it boils down to yeah let's first recognize there are people with different opinions different priorities different perspectives and all of them are probably for good like they add value so how do you get them together? I think a big chunk of that is company culture. Is it a, you know, is it a team culture, team or company culture that allows for people experimenting, you know, gives them freedom to try new things that could make the engineers, you know, the, these geeks who want to try these or that tool happy. Is it like a company culture that allows for people, you know, going and exploring new things? Maybe it makes the some business people with some ideas happy. And then how friendly is the environment? Are these guys really feeling being part of the same team? That's in many cases, maybe not really a technical problem. It's like a cultural, you know, dimension to talk about. Like, do these guys working together feel like belonging to the same team? Do they feel like being friends at work? Do they want to work together? Then, you know, this seems sounds fluffy, but when you see it working, it really works. And uh, I have been part of teams that where this was really working. And it's so nice to be there and contribute. And you could see that you have, you probably have a different opinion, but you could see that you're contributing to something bigger and you could appreciate that and enjoy it, even though it's not exactly the way you wanted it done. So you just emphasis on the team culture, company culture here. Yeah, it's a challenging one because I see this when we put people on site with people. Um, it's much easier when a company understands what it does, what its values are, and they recruit the right type of people into that team um, and then it does make um, things easier doesn't it really um, have you got any further statements on that Rocky in terms of kind of I want to ask once another thing related when compared to this competition and uh, incentive and how do you think about this competition between team members and incentive of like promotion works in this space can drive to, towards that same direction? I hope you're not asking me that, Rocky. I'm going to leave that. That's, that is a challenging question. Yeah. So I'm looking at Marty's face and I'm going to pick on him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wanted to say, Sylvie, you want to take it first, but I can, I can take it. I can take it. Um, I, I think that's, uh, first of all, like at the end of the day, we're dealing with people here. 
so you need you need to understand personal needs as well uh, because that's that's going to have an impact in productivity and and if you want to have retention mid long term well you could retain people with the salary for some time even like stock options whatnot right but like if you make them happy you make them feel meaningful that that's gonna that's gonna play out well uh, in in the long run so then it's about the culture that uh, Sabi was mentioning before where you need to allow people to be able to experiment especially geeks people that like more technology as well having business people happy and and seeing that there's like some progress done and and you're working towards a, a goal not just like for technologies so it's a balance again as we started the conversation with that word i think it's it's a uh, very illustrative it's a balance of that when it comes to competition between team members that might be very specific of of certain personalities or the company culture as well uh in my experience i haven't had issues with that generally but i, I think uh one of the things i keep in mind all the time as a manager is to to be able to give people space to to grow and to learn new stuff and and that's probably more important as long as they feel that they are learning new things doing meaningful things that probably will push away the the competitivity versus other other people but yeah that's more like a personal <laughs> personal race sobby you've had a couple of minutes to think about it this is yeah but i still don't have a good answer here that was tricky um, <laughs> i i don't really know much about how to deal with this i can just emphasize maybe it's like about discussions team members who want to you know get promoted or you know who want to progress in their career need to just speak up and talk to the managers talk to the people around there's usually ways to do that without stepping over somebody else's you know toast so you just need to find your your space it's not necessarily does not necessarily need to end up in a conflict of interest and it boils down to again having proper organization and processes for having one-on-one one-on-ones with managers check on personal goals you know things like this if done properly could help a lot um i've got a follow-up question really because we've touched on it a few times in this conversation that um a lot of different departments now are very very interesting data more than they've ever been yeah i work in the sales team and we're interested in data now and we've got an opinion on data yeah is there anything outside of your data team yeah that companies can do to kind of help getting a seamless data architecture rocky I think at the high level management should put enough uh, emphasis on this space and get enough support from all different teams surrounding the data team, like uh, IT team and the business team, how to get enough support. What about you, Matty? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's really nice that people are interested in using data, uh, and it's growing and it's kind of the, the keyword for the last five years, like big data and AI and data and data and data. And it's very easy to put in a slide and set it to someone. But the first thing you need to do is to make sure that the people that want to use the data, that want to use the data, they understand 
why why they're using that data. It's not just that the field is light and then use it as as a as an argument to send an idea to sell an idea that they already had. It's like, okay, are you going to use that data for something meaningful? What's the insight? What's what's going to be the actionable thing that you're going to do after seeing that chart? What's the purpose of that? So I think building that culture, it's very critical. It comes from the top as well. And uh, and then resources and training. If you have a data team that's big enough that you can embed people in, in product teams or business teams, that's great. You, they're going to have this right hand of time to go and like discuss. And I think that's, that's brilliant. In the past, uh, I had this experience and it works super well. Uh, if not, you need to have a data team that tries to enable all the other business teams to try to train them, make sure that they, they use the data in the right way. They don't misunderstand the sets, but they, they have the right process to use data. And that might come with some like third-party tools that automate or ease up this, uh, this process of, of crunching the data and, and building charts and, and all that stuff. So yeah, a few different things here. I think it's tooling, it's training, it's, it's the culture. And then uh, try, yeah, the culture being being critical, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose it's just making um, making people aware of what you're doing and what you're aiming to get to. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't try and understand what other departments are doing. They just want stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems like data is one of the places that's most affected at the minute for that. Uh, Sobby, what's your thoughts? Uh, the keyword that comes to my head. Uh, talking about this is balance again. Um, so on, we, I can probably describe it as two extremes. On one hand, you could have like an organization in the, in the company where every individual team has a bunch of data engineers, one or two data scientists, analysts, and they develop like totally independently in, you know, whatever direction they see fit in whatever tool they use, you know, practices and processes, whatever, total freedom. On the other hand, you could centralize all of these data people into one department, have 10 data engineers in one place, you know. It could depend on the size of the company. Could the company afford having a data person in every team, or one or two or three, I don't know, depending on what the function is. Uh, it could also depend on, you know, it could have implications. Striking this balance could have also implications for, how seamless the architecture would be you know if if you leave it you know totally free it could grow into marketing reports these numbers totally differently than the sales reports these numbers and how could you get them to agree or is there like a middle ground where you have a small data team taking care of core business metrics for example and then you spread you know data analysts or a bunch of data engineers data scientists all across the company to go around and help people. It depends on the company size, how much they can afford, you know, having bigger data team, how, how much people can they afford having? Uh, do they want to control centrally? You know, they probably want to control centrally at least key metrics, you know? So yeah, there's a balance again. That's the I, key word here, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's critical to have a, date, a centralized data team uh, for sure, because you need to have this like seamless data architecture where you, have one one source of truth for everything, and that's probably the, the key to success. If you have different data teams or like people using different data sets, like that's a perfect recipe for chaos. Uh, but what what I was mentioning before, it's more like the embedded fashion where you have someone belonging to the central data team, and you kind of mm -hmm. loan this resource into 
one product team rep, but these people will report back to the central team. So you are 100% sure that they use the same data sets, that they are aware of how the data looks like, how things need to be done, naming conventions and event collection and whatnot, right? So that could work, but I don't think you can work with like different multiple data teams with no connection whatsoever. Right. Do you feel, yeah, has everyone um, answered that question? Has anyone got any final points? I can have some points that okay. I think that, uh, Chris, you are playing very important role here. I think find that the right talent that was open-minded and the full with uh, craftsmanship spirit is one of the key to drive the seamless uh, architecture. Thank you. Well, right. Thank you.